Welcome to the How We Create podcast. I'm your host, Carissa Moreno. I've realized that growing up in an artistic family gave me a support system and the encouragement to approach challenges in life without overthinking and without worrying about the outcomes. I created this podcast to remind you that you are not alone in your creativity, and I hope that it will validate and expand your artistic process and inspire you to create something new today. I will be here every other week telling you about my experiences as a creative and also having conversations with fine artists, musicians, performers, dancers, and you will learn how they create, how they experiment, and how they turn failures into opportunities for growth. I know that you are going to enjoy getting a peek inside their minds and creative lives. If you enjoy this podcast, definitely subscribe and leave a review, but also share it with a friend. Welcome, welcome. My guest today, Mara Gironi, fell in love with hand embroidery at age eight. She now has a thriving business embellishing clothes with hand embroidery for women who are guided by passion and curiosity for a rich and colorful world and facing every day with independent spirit and style. She has very concrete advice about turning your passion into your business, and I think you will like her approach to imposter syndrome. Hi, Mara. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And yeah, I'm very excited. I love your work and I I love what you're doing. And we'll talk about that as we get into the conversation. This season has been about working from those places of fear as a creative and fears you've had to overcome, things that scare you as a creative. And I wonder if you have any particular moment that stands out to you where you've had to face your fears to move forward in your process. I think everyone as fears in different moments uh, along the process and the growth towards success or anyway, growth of our business in this case connected to art. So periodically, the imposter syndrome visits me. That is a constant. I start doubting myself and, and it's like I freeze, but I found a little trick to overcome that, I give imposter syndrome a face. Uh, it's for me like a real person, a nasty one who I don't want to be art by, but I don't want to be friend with it. I just want to have a conversation. Um, the fact that transform this fear in something more tangible reduces its, its power. And I'm ready then to grow and go through the pain. Of course, the fear changes all the time. For a long time, uh, I had a fear of not having time to create, to make art. Because if you don't create, uh, you like become sterile. You stop creating and being on top of things. And also from the commercial point of view, the business suffers. Right. So to overcome that, I try to create every day as little or as much I can. But definitely I have to push myself because in reality, lack of time is just a limitation we impose to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And in fact, most of the people uh, are more productive when they have more things on the plate. If you have only one thing, you start procrastinating, especially if you work from home, like I do. I mean, my art studio is a room in my uh, own house. So often that I'm here and I start thinking at the dishwasher, at the washing machine, Although there's no need for that, right? So it's important to make time to 
to create every day uh, for me. So this fear of not being productive from that point of view uh, also can be taken away. Can I ask you a question before we get, so we don't get too far ahead. I'm curious about the imposter syndrome person that you create. Does that person have a name and what kind of conversations do you have with your imposter. <laughs> it's funny. Well, most of the time is a woman and it's called Monica. I don't know why. I don't know any Monica. So <laughs> it's I not because it. I have anything, but for some reason I call it like this. The conversations are more like, okay, I'm not good at that. Why am I not good at that? Okay. Can I, can I improve? Can I delegate? This is another key word because sometimes we even forget that there are professionals out there who can do it better than we can. So these questions uh, create like uh, a click and they get me unstuck. Sometimes I have to say she takes advantage of uh, my fear, but it doesn't last long anymore. In the past, I think I've been stuck in in this um, process of I'm not good enough and Arthur cannot pay the bills for a long time. Because, of course, imposter syndrome plays with what you have in your head from for cultural beliefs, for education, for everything entered your head during while, while you were growing. And because, uh, well, I come from the south of Italy, from a traditional family. I mean, the story they wrote for me was completely different. They wanted me to be primary school teacher uh, and live there next to them. Anyway, I did. I had the different plans, of course. I'm curious, you know, as an American talking to an Italian, do you have the same stereotypes that we have where artists are poor starving. and suffering and starving and struggling? And that's, yeah, that's yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I always knew from when I was a child, not even a teenager, what I wanted to be. I, I knew that I wanted a work related to art, but I, I could never do it at university, for example, because I had to find a job, a real job in my dad's words. So, right. yeah, definitely the stereotype was there and I had to wait uh, a bit longer to then give space to my passion. But definitely that is what creates the fear most of the time. The thing is, I realized that art is, doesn't pay the bills if it's a hobby by mm-hmm. definition. But the moment we see art as a business, yes, we can make money with that. But of I- course... No, I was just going to say that's a great observation. And I think that's something that holds a lot of artists back because, again, the other stereotype is you don't want to sell out and you don't want to, you know, be the commercial artist. But if you are actually making art and following your passion and making money doing it, that seems to be the ultimate goal. It's a product eventually. I mean, it's a product and you sell it. Full stop. It is true that most of the time we think, okay, I like, I don't know, I like the pink color, but my customers don't like it. So I have to use blue. What a shame. I feel frustrated. That's not true. Or at least along the time, I realized that I do what I like and I cannot please everyone. Mm. Because if you try to please everyone, you don't please anyone. 
my customers are a niche and I'm very happy that they think like me and they appreciate what I create. From that point of view, I don't want to compromise because already on the commercial part of the business, we are forced to compromise all the time and negotiate all the time. Mm -hmm. But the production has to be original and full of passion. And of course, if you do that, you definitely eventually sell whatever you create. Yeah, I like that you're pointing that out, that if, if you're staying true to your voice and your vision, then that's what makes you unique. And you will find people who resonate with that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And also, we don't have to think that we have this idea, maybe a very romantic idea of the artist creating all day, every day, and not having time for anything else. So Mm -hmm. not having time to sell the art. But these are the movies uh, they fed our mind with, because it's impossible to create all day, every day, because we have a life to live. And if we have a life to live, we can add to that the business. Right. So this would be my next question when you're talking about how you have developed a practice where you create every day. How did you come up with that? And then how do you stick to it? What's your system for for dividing up your time? It's not easy, of course, because we always want to sit down and have everything set, everything perfect around, and then finally we create. And that's not always the case, especially if you have a family, if you have a business. But for example, I started pushing myself uh, with taking courses of things I don't know. For example, I took a course of watercolor. I was always very scared by using brushes, so I never did. And in fact, the first two lessons were uh, a disaster, but then I fell in love and (laughs) the results started coming out. But that, of course, because I had this lesson once a week, I had to produce in order to to grow in and learn the the new uh, medium. This was a big push. So I always try to have something external to force me to create. And pushed by the enthusiasm of that, I, of course, work on the creative part of uh, my business. Mm-hmm. But normally I set the time that is uh, late morning because I know that because I work very well between 9 and 12 mm-hmm. on administrative stuff and dry things. So mm-hmm. after 12, I normally give myself at least half an hour to that can be also writing it it doesn't need to be necessarily something related to my business it can be writing it can be sketching it can be well it could be cooking if you find pleasure in that but it's the creating going from raw materials to something Mm -hmm. eventually and not the Picasso picture you don't have to uh, expect that all the time of course so you set aside at least a half an hour is that what you're saying yes well, sometimes more, of course, when I go to the course, it's at least three hours. That is very full, very nurturing. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, you know, you were saying that you didn't grow up with a family that encouraged art and that it wasn't something you studied at university. So what made you take that leap into going into a creative field? Actually, my mom was uh, an eater. 
and my grandma loved crochet. So these were the crafts that I was taught when I was very young. I was around seven. And, and from then on, it's, it's like a new world was open for me because the idea of creating for my dolls at the time was very exciting. So I started making jewelry for my dolls, uh, clothes for my dolls. And then I decided to start hand embroidery. And I remember with my mom, I always <laughs> had the, a discussion because she thought she wanted to tell me that hand embroidery is cross stitching only. And I said, no, I want to draw something and do hand embroidery. And she was more classical, you know, more square and any, anything. Anyway, I showed that I could. Of course, the result wasn't uh, amazing, but good. So I started actually when I was eight and along my life, I always tried new techniques. It was a way to relax. And then it became a way to heal myself because I've been an expat for several years. And uh, so changing country, it was fantastic, by the way, but changing country every three, four years wasn't the easiest of the things, especially when my family started growing and I started having children. So after my second child, I found myself like in a not a happy place. And I wanted to find myself again. I didn't want to be the mom of or the wife of. And, and, and I remember I had the, my first coach session ever. And I was suggested to try something that I love. And I went back to hand embroidery. And it is, in fact, there that I started enjoying it so much that after a couple of years, I decided to make it a business. And was that a difficult decision for you? Because I know embroidery is considered craft and craft is definitely an art to me. Did, did you feel any kind of fear putting yourself out there and saying, okay, now I'm going to make it a business? And Definitely and for, for the same reason you are saying, because it was a craft, a granny craft. Mm. So it wasn't art, actually. And also because my master's degree is in foreign languages and literature, so something completely different. And I worked for many years in the publishing industry. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have an academic background to support my artistic passion. So so at the beginning, in post, Monica <laughs> was with me very often, uh-huh. uh, telling me, oh, come on, you cannot see. I mean, there are people who studied years to get somewhere and then you arrive and you want to be the expert. But then I realized that actually I started my training when I was eight. Mm-hmm. So if you want, I was more, uh, I'm, I was an expert actually at that point. And also, of course, you always look for validation, although we always say, okay, you need to be happy with yourself, but the validation helps definitely, especially if you want to transform it into a business, because if no one comes to buy, I mean, it's not, it's hardly a business. So yeah, the process was, uh, was quite long to accept myself and call myself a hand embroidery artist. I thought it was really interesting what you're saying um, about basically the validation of what makes you an expert and what makes you good at something. And it's an idea, again, that if you have a degree in something, then that that makes you the expert. And that, as you're saying, is so untrue because you've been doing this thing since you were eight years old and you don't necessarily need the validation in a degree to be good at something. Totally, 
Of course, if you have the opportunity to go to and learn also from others, that's amazing. And anyway, I learned from others. But sometimes because you do it with passion and it comes easy to you, you don't even see. And that's mean that someone else who studied for five years loves it the same way you do and produces with the same love that you do. Because I think if you put passion in whatever you you do, any job in reality, you can see it. You can see the difference with whoever does it or not to do it. It's like I was saying, my parents wanted me to be a teacher, but that is a mission. You can see the difference between a, a, a teacher who does it with passion and a teacher who does it because, I don't know, it's a fixed wage and you have two months holiday per year. Right. And that is everywhere. With art, of course, it's more visual and you get it straight away. Mm-hmm. So you don't need the piece of paper. You cannot say the same with a doctor. The doctor right. needs also the piece of paper. <laughs> of sure. Course. Some professions, we definitely want the piece of paper. Yeah. What were the first steps you took to grow your business? How did you get yourself out there once you told Monica to go away? I was still in Greece when I decided and it was difficult because well I lived there for a few years it was very difficult because the bureaucracy is similar to Italy so it's terrible it eats you really it's terrible and it was almost impossible to create an online business Mm. so I went through the usual step the yeah the Etsy website but still I was in the face who am I am I an artist what am I doing also I started uh, with uh, creating bags and hats and because I didn't have also a training for products to sell products online of course it was creating and then see where the mistake was on field it took time to understand what I really wanted to do and because of course it becomes a bit a repetitive action the creation of a series of Mm -hmm. pieces so if you don't love it you can't you can, uh, unless you start delegating again, but at the beginning, it's not like that. Right. And in fact, I started uh, from my dining table and uh, bit by bit now I have my, my space. So definitely it was the closest uh, friends and family, the presents for Christmas. And mm-hmm. then uh, when we moved to London, of course, there was the official part, the creation of the company and yeah, the practical and logistics around the business. And what have you learned or what's been surprising to you? Now that it's a business or when you made it a business, was there anything that you weren't expecting? That I think before starting a business, we think too much. And I could have saved, I, I don't want to change anything or what happened uh, in, in, in the creation and growing, but still I could have saved time if I had less fear, definitely. Because you try, no one does it like you do. So it's definitely is unique. You can learn along the way. You exactly don't need a degree. And I could, I feel confident now that tomorrow, if I have an idea, I can start another business as well. No problem. So probably the confidence that we should reach earlier. 
because there's not right or wrong. Most of the time, you just need to be passionate, but also be in the right place at the right moment. How do you think we can gain that confidence for people who want to take that step? Do you know what helped me a lot is the networking because we are always afraid because there's this uh, imposter syndrome. We are always afraid to show the, st- the things. And if they say, what do you do? You start struggling and trying to find uh, the words. While if you start showing to everyone and having that validation, you start believing in yourself. Uh, you are doing something. So the networking and actually when it was possible to do it in person, it was even better. Of course, what I do if uh, you can touch it is much better than mm. if you see it on a screen but definitely that was uh, a big push to my yeah, confidence it's interesting because in the last guest that I was talking to we we were talking about how as artists and as creatives we spend so much time alone and then it's really hard to break out of that but and that there are so many reasons to to be in community and I think that your idea of building confidence with just Showing people who are going to be your support system is such a great thing for everyone to think about. Yeah, look, I'm, I look like a very extroverted person, but I'm an extrovert introvert because, of course, the creative part, I, I need to be in my corner, in my space with silence. So I'm very happy to be able to work from home, but I also need... It's like the motivation, the inspiration. And most of the time from people who don't understand, not don't understand, but they are not involved in the art uh, world. Uh, maybe do they do completely different jobs, but it's uh, the talking sometimes can open doors that you never thought existed or opportunities most of many times. Yeah, definitely. So do you have any fears now, now that you're, it seems like your business is pretty solid and you have the confidence and have your fears changed? They last less. But I think whatever is the, the level of confidence you have, the fear is there. And each time I submit, for example, I don't know, I was published on Vogue UK, but each time I submit something to a magazine, I say, oh, what about if they don't reply? What about if they think they've seen so many of the same thing? But I do it anyway. That's great. Do you have any advice or anything you want to share with with the listeners? For sure, the networking and talking and also networking, not only official groups, but also Facebook groups of like-minded people or business people or artists or whatever is the your interest is, is so important because everyone has a different story. And uh, to learn through other people's story, it's uh, very important. Podcasts are another, of course, important way to learn. If you are sure what you are doing, just find the right words to tell the world. And I really mean write down the right words that resonate with you and your business so that when they ask, what do you do? You have three, four sentences and you explain yourself. That's such good advice that we haven't yet talked about on this show. So thank you for bringing that up. It's so important. And and just even the act of writing it out, right? Like someone might be like, well, it's in my head. But no, when you write it out is the opportunity for you to refine 
your thoughts yeah. and, and really hone in on what you're doing. Yeah. And I'm the very traditional pen and paper. So am I. <laughs> it's different. It makes them, to me, it makes the mind. Yeah, but it's the exact, the use of the, the hand with the brain that fixes it better. Definitely. Do you want to tell everyone as we wrap up, like what you're doing now and what you're working on? Yes. Well, I have a fashion brand. I call it Fashion with a Meaning because I create hoodies, uh, t-shirts and uh, scarves with the uh, hand embroidery. And the hand embroidery are uh, motivational words because my aim is to empower, support and uplift women for a positive mindset. That's fantastic. And do you want to let everybody know how they can find you? Yeah, the easiest way is my website is uh, maragirone.com or my handle on Instagram that is maragirone again. Thank you so much for being here. I think that all the listeners are going to feel like they have a, a way to find some confidence in it and a way to to get on the path that they need to be on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I hope my experience could help someone else. Here are the creativity boosts from today's episode. Number one, what limitations or excuses are you creating for yourself? Not enough time, not enough energy. Those are some that I use. And sometimes the busier you are, the more productive you are because you know that you have limited time. So come up with ways to schedule your day when you don't have that much to do. How can you create structure in your day? Can you take a class, maybe have a work date with a friend? Doing these things will help you get the work done. Number two, can you delegate? This can be so scary, especially as a creative with a vision, but trust that there are other talented and capable people out there who can help you. Number three, do you wanna make money with your creativity? If you do, then you have to see it as a business, an exchange of goods or services for money and that is absolutely okay. Number four, when you feel like you're losing yourself, do something you love. Number five, when imposter syndrome kicks in, we often forget everything we've done that has led us up to the point where we're at. I was going to suggest that you tell Monica to go F herself, but I think she never really goes away. So I would tell her you appreciate her trying to keep you safe, but that you are gonna be just fine. And number six, get confident. Most of us have heard about the elevator pitch and I used to think of it as a way like having to sell something or sell yourself. But now I think of it as simply a way to tell people what I do. So coming up with a description of yourself and your work will give you your own sense of validation and that will lead to getting more confident. I wanted to let you know that I felt like this was a great episode to end season two and all the powerful discussions that I've had about fear. I will be taking the next few weeks to do interviews for season three and the structure and inspiration of the seasons for each season has worked so well so far that I'm going to keep with it. Season three will be about growth and potential and I've already lined up some wonderful, wonderful, amazing people. So be sure you're subscribed so that you'll get an alert for when the new episodes post. But I am planning to launch season three on the first day of spring, which is March 20th. If you have any thoughts or questions you want me to include in the interviews, please let me know. Send me a DM on Instagram, or you can email me at carissamorenoart at gmail.com. And I will be back with you soon. 
Remember that you can support this podcast by making a contribution at buymeacoffee.com backslash how we create. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at the how we create podcast. That's the T H E how we create podcast.